I just now worried aloud to my auntie that I was losing the novelty for the popes and I've only done Peter, you know, number one. And I'm not sure that I can face uh, hundreds more to get to our current one, who's boring anyway. I'm sure most of the others were boring too. But then she replied, what about the anti-popes? And I said, aha, that's interesting. <laughs> so the this podcast on the papacy uh, lives. I'm going to find out what an anti-pope is. I've heard of anti-pope, but I can't remember what the, an anti-pope is. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm sure it doesn't mean, you know, just a total pagan. Uh, it sounds like it's got more punch than that. The, this idea of an anti-pope, uh, it sounds like, yeah, a pagan is kind of neutral uh, in my mind. Whereas an anti-pope is something like, you know, what bizarro Superman is to Superman. You know, the mere mortals... Uh, you know, for, are um, are neutral in the Superman comics, but you know Superman's over there, and Bizarro Superman is over the other side. So maybe an antipope is something like that. Uh, I will find out, and I'll find out. Um, I don't even know the name of one antipope. My auntie suggests that uh, she said, "Don't worry about antipope Joan." Because apparently that's apocryphal. We'll find out. Look, I'm not sure. You know, maybe Jesus is apocryphal too. You know? But um, let's, let's just find out what an anti-pope is just to get us started. But it's going to be tricky because my ethos is to not research. I, uh, my ethos is to wait for information to come to me. So I might be a bit stuck for a little while because I'm not allowed to research, you know, because that's how I keep these podcasts fresh, is by not researching. Otherwise, I might as well just read out Wikipedia pages to you. Um, somehow, the information, the universe will give me the information. I'm not sure how, but these things tend to happen. I'll find out what an antipope is, and I'll find out who they are. I'm sure I will. More later, I have to shove all the kids into Bounce, the trampoline joint at Essendon Airport. That's where I am right now. Um, That gets them out of my hair for an hour. Aha, a penny just dropped. Anti-Pope. You know, like if if a pope is appointed by God, then yeah, surely an anti-pope has been sent by the devil. That's how it would work, surely. Okay, and then I start to think uh, that well, you know, was Superman based on Jesus, and was Bizarro Superman? No, was you know was Superman some kind of pope? And was Bizarro Superman some kind of anti-pope? You know, just go the other way. You know? And uh, let me think. So you don't need Wikipedia to st- at least start nutting some things out to yourself. Um, and, and once again, you know, uh, you know, as you're listening, not that I want any listeners, I don't, but as you're listening, yes, of course you can go to Wikipedia. There's no need for a podcast. Like, there's no need for any podcast. You can just go to Wikipedia if you trust it. Um, but you know, sometimes just getting the information isn't the best way to hear the stuff. Um, sometimes it's kind of fun, surely, just to hear someone's brain whirring, even if that brain isn't, you know, what you'd call top 10%. Okay. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, the kids are in Bounce, having a bounce at Essendon Airport. Essendon uh, Bounce is, has taken over. Yeah, it's a, um, a fun park, you know, a trampoline sort of fun park, and it's taken over part of... Uh, Hangar 4, the old Hangar 4 at Essendon Airport. I'm walking 
in and out. Just a second. I'm trying to avoid people because if they hear me talk of God and the devil, you know, they might, they might, they might dob me into the thought police. Right. And um, yeah, they've got some pictures up on the wall here. And uh, the, the, it's, it's got the main entrance hall to the old Hangar 4. And it looks great, you know. This is 1936. And it looks strangely modern. Um, I would have actually, if you just uh, put it in front of me, guessed that it was from 19... Uh, the 1970s. It looks like, you know, something out of a James Bond movie. Uh, it looks great. Um, yeah, that uh, what we would call now um, retro, uh, almost art deco, you know. It looks like that. And uh, let me see. They've got signs here because, you know, I don't know anything about antipopes, so I have to just talk about something else. Um, Construction began in 1936, you know, so it's a museum now suddenly, you know, my dad worked here, uh, he was ground crew back a long time ago, um, and when I was a kid all this was very much operational, uh, you know, so you turn into a museum yourself, eventually, uh, and um, now let me see, you know, at, uh, now, Hangar 4 was the largest civil hangar in Australia at the time that it was being built, you know, and was unrivaled in the Southern Hemisphere. It was a showpiece of its time. And it is big too. Yeah. All right. Um, what else can I see here? And they've, you know, they've got a few um, aeroplanes from the time. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not that good at aeroplanes, but um, they've got ANA is the big sign on top of the building. That'd be Australian National Airways, I think I recall, and some of the old cars. And it all looks great. And a, maybe a Douglas DC something, DC 3 or something, you know, out the front. Okay, let's hang a 4. And um, uh, anything else interesting here? Because I really don't know anything about anti-popes. Um, no, it cost £20,000. There you go. Ah, here's some stats. Uh, let me see. It um, it was officially opened for traffic on the 15th of August 1938 by the Prime Minister, Mr J.A. Lyons, on behalf of Australian National Airways, Proprietary Limited. All right, so it's a company, uh, not a, you know, like TAA my dad worked for. So that was um, public, you know, uh, public owned, I believe. And um, when I say public-owned, you know, government-owned, you know, that, that, that tells me socialist. You know, anything that's government-owned, you know, is, is, um, a little, is socialist, isn't it? Um, so, you know, back a long time ago, we had a lot of public utilities, including this airline. Um, um, nothing to do with popes, all this. We'll get back to that, you know. Um, it all comes together in the end. Liberalism, you know, Christianity, enlightenment, all that sort of stuff. But that's a very, 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 very long bow. All right. Um, but, you know, whenever I see, you know, uh, we've got um, universal health care as such in Australia. And, um, and a lot of education is uh, publicly, you know, government owned. And... Um, you know, so all that I've spoken about this in a previous episode. We're a combination of a capitalist and a socialist country. Uh, yeah. And in a previous episode, um, I think I discussed how uh, the idea of Jesus led to all of our liberal ideas. Liberal ideas such as capitalism, communism, socialism, and everything, you know, everything else that everyone uses these days. You know, they're all liberal ideas, you know. The Republicans and the Democrats in, in America and the Whigs, you know, the now dead Whigs in America, they're, you know, they're all, you know, liberal systems. You know, systems are rising from liberalism when the, head, the kings got their heads chopped off. 
Um, and, you know, and so is the Labour Party for the workers in Australia, you know, which has got sort of social, you know, uh, that's got some sort of almost socialist overturns, you know, uh, communist overturns, whatever, um, for the workers, you know, um, and our Liberal Party, which is, you know, more on our centre-right, you know, or factions of right and centre-right, you know, um, and all that sort of stuff. They're all liberal systems, and um, if I were to continue this podcast on Christianity, I'd probably work my way back to the Enlightenment and then through to liberalism, you know, um, and through to all of this stuff. Now, that was a huge digression, but sometimes I just feel like it. Uh, I may feel like making digressions, especially when I don't know anything about what I'm supposed to be talking about, which is true in the current... Case, case because I don't know anything about anti-popes, except I think that the devil sent them. Now, um, there was something about the actual planes. All right, Hangar 4 was the largest civil hangar in Australia, and it accommodated four Douglas DC-3 monoplanes, or their, uh, or their equivalents. All right, so that's that. Um, monoplanes. I like the way they say, they say monoplanes, you know, as distinct from biplanes, which we don't sort of have these days, really. Um, okay, and during their operation, Australian National Airlines, ANA, was responsible for many Australian firsts, including the first DC-2s, the first air hostesses, flight attendants as they are now. My sister, my sister's a flight attendant. Then uniforms for flight crews. That was a first. Uh, Australian firsts. All right, they this had ought, this had all been done in overseas. I'm sure. Autopilots, co-pilots, radio compasses, air-to-ground radio, and many other flight and navigational aids. ANA eventually merged to form part of ANSET. I do remember that bit. I remember, you know, no, I, I kind of know that bit. And TAA was ANSET's uh, domestic rival. Um, TAA was publicly owned. Socialists and ANSET, you know, Reginald ANSET. Reg ANSET used to fly his helicopter to work, I think, from... used to take a helicopter from Frankston into work, as far as I recall. And... Um, and that'll do on that. And, you know, and our international carrier was Qantas. And I'm fairly sure Qantas took over TAA's sort of stuff. And then ANSET kept to its stuff. And then ANSET got ran into the ground um, by the unions. <laughs> you know, oops. <laughs> I don't know if it was by the unions. It was probably by other factors. Okay, Bye. Did I say Jesus was responsible for the enlightenment and liberalism? (laughs) Look, he was a factor in the version of the enlightenment that we ended up with. And he was a factor in liberalism. He was a factor, I think, in a lot of the products of enlightenment and liberalism and all that sort of thing. You know, John Wesley, for example... uh, sits there and has a little introspection and says, I think slavery uh, seems unfair, and why don't we abolish it? Um, and, you know, that, that was a, you know, that seemed to be an enlightenment moment, you know, and uh, the English say, yeah, you know, oh, well, dragged kicking and screaming, but dragged kicking and screaming to the abolishment of slavery table by themselves, you know, they weren't dragged there by what? Africans, or Middle Easterners, or Chinese people, or, you know, Far East people. Sometimes uh, when I listen to Martin Luther King's speeches and all that sort of thing, I sort of start thinking, now, you know, there's a lot of nuance to this, I'm sure. Yeah, that, um, yeah, uh, Europeans finally stopped being slavers and all that sort of thing. You know, the, the Europeans had an enlightenment and then had this idea of abolishing slavery and then you know, civil rights for all and all that sort of thing and a lot more equality, you know, fraternity, liberty, liberté, fraternity, egalité and all this sort of stuff. You know, had the idea of civil rights and um, and 
abolishment of slavery and all that sort of thing. Yeah, and I think Jesus, the idea of Jesus uh, drove a lot of that. You know, people reading the Bible and getting that idea from the Bible. Hey, people read the Bible and got other ideas from the Bible too over the centuries and went hacking people's heads off or, you know, uh, shooting off to Jerusalem to find the Holy Grail and, uh, oh, look at that, Byzantium, let's slaughter that on the way. You know, and things like that. Yeah. So um, the idea of Jesus prompted a bit of blood as well. But the point is, the idea of Jesus um, prompted, um, surely, didn't it, um, some of John Wesley's thinking, you know, which got pushed onto others, you know, which, you know, the Wesleyan church and Protestantism in general, you know, I don't think we Catholics were real players. Uh, we were a bit more primitive. Um, but, um, you know, Wesleyans and, you know, and that ended up with Wilberforce and all that sort of thing. And, you know, England decides to abolish slavery, but, um, you know, England, US, you know, the, the newly independent US drags the chain and keeps their slaves uh, because, you know, there were some economic factors going on. But, you know, England has a moment of enlightenment. Now, I don't think England was the most enlightened place around. Um, from all I hear, you know, like the real powerful enlightenments were happening in France, for example, and other places, you know. Um, and, you know, different people get different levels of enlightenment at different times. Um, yeah, and, and the French abolished slavery as well. Napoleon brought it back for a bit, but then they got rid of it again, the French, you know, um, in their... What, they're 30... I'm at the airport at the moment picking up my wife and my daughter. And they've been to a wedding. Uh, a wedding of a magistrate in Sydney um, who worked with my wife. And she was in the news recently because she had a jug um, thrown at her from... I was interrupted in the middle of that thought. I'm at Melbourne Airport this time, not Essendon Airport, Melbourne Airport this time. And um, I was interrupted in the middle of that thought because my wife is on the long trek from Jetstar, you know, which is the cheap version of Qantas. When, when she takes Qantas, she takes Qantas for work and she takes, oh, what was I talking about? Um, Qantas, you, yeah, it's a short walk. You know, Jetstar, it's a trek for about a mile along you know, Heathrow style. All right, what was I talking about? Oh, yes. They've been at a wedding in um, a children's... Uh, yes, that's right, I remember. Uh, a magistrate is getting married and um, and she was uh, in the news last month because children's court, you know, family court, children's court, whatever it is, and a father was very unhappy with the way things were travelling and decided to pick up a water jug and th threw it at the judge. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. And it's and, and it, it hit the wall behind her. Just missed her. Narrowly missed her. That's interesting. A jug can do some damage. I was reading Biggles Goes to Holiday... Uh, Biggles Takes a Holiday to My Son recently, altering the words to get rid of the racist bits and all that sort of stuff, you know. Wherever I see Negroes, I change it to Italians. Um, he now, you know, that's a racist book. Um, Biggles Takes a Holiday. And, um, and now... Um, uh, Alex is not too sure whether Italians are all that smart <laughs> because of the because of the very grammar <laughs> that Captain W. E. Johns uses in describing Italians. Well, Negroes, but you know Italians now. As far as my son's concerned, I should have probably picked some culture that was even more neutral. You shouldn't have read the book at all. Ah, oh, no, no, but the book's good in some ways because. I want my son to be uh, can-do, competent, you know, feels like he can do things, you know, not a loser and all that sort of stuff. And Biggles is super competent. Yeah. Um, he's got a problem, he solves it, you know. I want my son to have those values. And there's no sort of children's books um, that have people like Biggles in them anymore. Um, all the heroes in the movies and the books and the, you know, in, um, all the heroes these days... Um, they're not as, I don't know, sort of real, you know. Uh, Biggles isn't nice. There's no attempt to make him nice. He's actually horrible sometimes, you know. Um, 
and um, and, and he does seem to have a bit of PTSD and all that sort of stuff. But you know, I spoke about Biggles at length in a, in another in another podcast um, called A Parrot Squawking. But you know, all that aside, uh, no idea what I was talking about when I got onto this. Yes, I do. It was something to do with. Um, um, Christianity kind of led to oh yeah and um, you know and sometimes I'm listening to you know Martin Luther King who's you know good what 150 years after England abolished slavery was he Somewhere 100 years after 150 all that sort of stuff and um, you almost get this feeling that um, these uh, sort of cultures that used to be slaves um, who were who happened to be slaves at the time that all this was happening um, because in history, you know, one mob enslaves another and then that mob enslaves that one back, you know, and all this sort of stuff. But you almost get this feeling that, you know, um, rappers, for example, in America, um, sort of say, oh, the um, the Europeans finally came to their senses and abolished slavery and, uh, you know, and we fought for civil rights and got them and all that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, they finally became enlightened you know, some of them, you know, they still, and the rappers say that, you know, there's, uh, most of them are still horrible, the Europeans, but um, you know, they say white, you know. So they say the white man, you know, had an enlightenment and finally the penny dropped with them. My God, we were waiting for that. And I say, oh, are you sure you were waiting for that? Or did you actually uh, not even think of that yourself? Did you actually just want to turn the tables? You know, did the idea of abolishment of slavery not occur to you at all? That's what I think. You know, I discussed that at, a, at length too in, a, in another podcast, uh, Parrot Squawking. And I sense that in history, uh, people who have been slaves, you know, and this would be the West Africans who ended up the slaves of um, in America, you know, they would not have wanted abolishment of slavery per se as far as I know. They wouldn't have done a John Wesley, you know, and, and had that idea. They would have perhaps preferred that, um, you know, if I'm, you know, if I want to listen to rappers like Naz, I discussed Naz. You know, Naz's idea is not, is not one that's in favour of abolishment of slavery, but one that turns the tables and makes the white man the slave and the black man the slaver. You know, so sometimes I wonder whether when the Europeans had an enlightenment, you know, was it an enlightenment? You know the Enlightenment, you know, it triggered technology which is destroying the planet and triggered world wars and it triggered all sorts of things, triggered terrible things, you know, it triggered a detachment of the human race from the earth upon which they live and all that sort of stuff, you know, Marx, you know, all that sort of stuff. I should get into philosophy at some stage. I already did in a parrot squawking, all right? And I even mentioned Superman before, a niche, you know. I think Superman, you know, is Superman based on niches Superman, you know, um, although a very different Superman, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, you know, um, you know, rather than Jesus. But then, you know, Nietzsche is part of the Enlightenment and Jesus led to the Enlightenment. Oh, and I think I sort of gave the inference that um, Jesus led to liberalism. Well, not by himself he did. There were other factors too, like the ancient Greeks. In fact, liberalism as such, the liberal arts, uh, predates Jesus. The Renaissance brought all that back, you know. So, yeah, look, watch my grammar. I'm speaking off the top of my head. Um, I'll get back to the popes at some stage. But I'm enjoying this little waffle uh, because um, I, 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 I had all this waffle in another podcast, A Parrot Squawking. Um, I've got other podcasts too. I've got one called On the Histories of Ethiopia or something, kids, if you want to pop over there. You know, you'll never find all my podcasts. I've got another one called Jack of Plymouth. And I've got another one that escapes my mind at the moment. Now, um, so look, I've just mentioned them. I don't advertise. I don't want listeners really um these podcasts are, you know but you could google all those you can't google by by my name or anything like that because i'm using a different name for each podcast um uh, yeah this is very chaotic it's very zen so, you know some in some ways uh, i'm almost uh spending creating um images in sand you know like the buddhists they draw an image and they spend an hour drawing 
a complicated image in the sand um, on the ground and then they watch the wind come and blow it all away to keep themselves zen. I'm almost doing that, you know, and except I'm, I'm not blowing these podcasts away. I'm leaving them where they are. But I have no idea whether the winds of change will blow these podcasts away anyway. You know, everyone thinks they're so, pop, you know, you put something up on the internet and it's permanent. I'm not so sure about that. I'm, I'm speaking into a, um, an, an app that is managed by uh, parties unknown to me and they could go broke tomorrow bye bye all my podcasts you know so you have to have a kind of zen way about you in this world yeah well, I think about it, you know like I'm, I think I'm putting something up on the internet for all the future generations oh come on surely you sure you sure Charlie you know you know this uh, app I'm using is called Anchor who owns Anchor a bloke in a shed somewhere you know in Alaska yeah, could be someone like me. I run software from my shed. Oh, don't tell my customers that. Now, um, but, um, so, you know, Anchor could collapse and they should, could, you know, and all these, you know, I've put hours and hours into these podcasts and they could all just disappear. You know, I could log in tomorrow and there's no Anchor. No podcasts, you know. So, yeah, that doesn't bother me zen about this, I just like thinking to myself anyway, so I might as well think aloud you know, I might as well think aloud uh, because I'd only be thinking to myself anyway and I'd be thinking like this to myself regardless, uh, so I'm just doing it aloud, and you're inside my head what a bad place to be you know? how should I, well, how dare I inflict that upon you I didn't, you inflicted it upon yourself you, if you're crazy enough to have listened this far, alright did I talk about anything then? I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think Jesus did lead to liberalism to a certain extent. Um, the Pope's... Uh, now, the, the, I think the original um, message of Jesus uh, led, you know, led to liberalism in a way. Uh, you know, our form of liberalism, liberalism predates Jesus. The Greeks started, uh, I think the Greeks started most of the liberal ideas, you know, and they started with the word grammar. Get your grammar right. Get your rhetoric right. Get your, um, get your uh, logic right. You know, that was the Greeks. And they said, and if you do that sort of thing, you'll be free. You know, that's free. Freedom, liberty, liberalism, you know. And all that led to all our liberal political systems and our way of life which is smashing the planet. <laughs> and uh, people are saying, let's get back to the ancient ways um, and all be tribal again. Oh, look, I don't know what the magic formula is. I don't, I really don't. All I know is I just don't want to give up my iPhone because I like talking into it. Okay, so that's that. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been in my one minute zone. One minute, P, one minute, drop off only. Unattended vehicles will be towed. I've been here for about 20 minutes waiting for my wife at Melbourne Airport on the long trek from the Jetstar Terminal. I think they put it a bit, they put it an extra kilometre away to make people walk an extra kilometre uh, just so that people um, weren't getting too much benefit for their cheap flights. Cheap flights. <laughs> Have you heard that song? Cheap flights. Very funny. All right. Um, I reckon I'll get away with not talking about um, the anti-popes at all. I'm glad about that because I don't know anything about them. I forgot. Uh, I mentioned Biggles takes a holiday and I got, you know, sidetracked onto something else. But um, uh, th th that, that occurred to me uh, because I was talking about how that judge... Uh, whose wedding my wife went to, and my daughter, uh, whose uh, wedding was on yesterday in Sydney, um, she had a, a jug thrown at her, a water jug. And um, my son now knows what might happen when, uh, when someone might get a jug in the face uh, because in... Biggles takes a holiday. Yeah, should you be teaching these things to your kids? You know, uh, Biggles was in a, a sticky situation um, where the Nazis had, gun, you know, uh, 
Then they were all in a room. Von Starlein, Dr. Liebgarten, Stitzen, uh, Biggles, Ginger. You know, the English and the Nazis were all in the room and um, Biggles was essential and Ginger were, um, were at a disadvantage, you know, because the Nazis had the guns. And then Biggles took out the lamp, you know, the only light source in the room, and then in one move picked up a, a glass jug. Well, it was a decanter, I think, but n- nonetheless, um, and smashed it into Biggles's, uh, into uh, v- uh, Dr. Liebgarten's face and knocked him unconscious, you know. Uh, eight years old he is. Should I be should I be reading this stuff to him, you know? Uh, look, I cleaned that one up a little bit. You know, I didn't have him smashing it in his face. I had him, I think I had him knocking it in the... You know, even as I'm reading, I'm altering the language a little bit to make it a little less racist and a little less violent. You know, not too much so, but he's only eight, you know. I probably read the, read these books when I was more like 12, so... Um, and, you know, I was mature enough by then. Now, um, you know, so... Uh, Look, this is huge digressions. I'm going to finish off with the popes, the anti-popes. Hang on, I have to take another break now. Running between things, lots of things, kids' activities, picking wives up, all that sort of stuff. I'm back. Yes. Uh, Anyway, so... uh, Yeah, very bad thing that Biggles... uh, Because Biggles positioned himself in the room... Uh, so that he was near the light plug, uh, and they were all speaking very cordially, you know, uh, to each other. Um, it was a kind of stalemate between the Nazis and the British, and uh, suddenly, without warning, too fast for Ginger to see, uh, Biggles, in one movement, pulled the light plug out and uh, and threw the room into uh, inky blackness and um and in one move grabbed the decanter uh, off the table that was near the lamp and he'd already lined up dr liebgarten before he'd even made his move before this he was casually having a cigarette Uh, should you be reading books to children where someone's casually having a cigarette look you know i've been around kids a little bit they know it's you know I explained all that. I explained all that. He's not going to smoke as a result of this. We're not a smoking family, you know. Um, and um, so, yeah, and clocked him in the back of the head and knocked him unconscious, Dr. Liebgarten. It was very important for von Starlein not to be clocked in the head. He didn't line up von Starlein. There's a reason for that because von Starlein is the evil anti-Biggles. Now, that's interesting because we're talking about popes and anti-popes. Hmm, same thing. Superman and Bizarro Superman. I'm starting to see a pattern here. And uh, I think I could make something of that if I wanted to. Oh, hang on, wait a minute. Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. The good and the evil. You know, there's something um, fundamental about all this. Um, And God and the devil. All right, we like this stuff, you know. And I know that Biggles' books are a fantasy. Uh, But does that make the Bible a fantasy? Oh, well, the Bible's got a bit of this going on as well. Luke Skywalker as Jesus, you know. Who was the evil anti-Jesus? There's no anti-Jesus. There should be an anti-Jesus. Now, later, there are popes um, and anti-popes. Gee, Jesus could have done with an anti-Jesus. You know, that's lacking in the great philosophers of ancient history, um, was there an anti-Buddha, an anti-Confucius? There was a kind of anti-Socrates. What was his name? Um, Aristophanes used to um, lampoon. He didn't like Socrates, and he used to lampoon him in his his shows, you know, in the theatre. And um, so I think Socrates had an evil anti-Socrates. but not, you know, okay, so that's okay. All right, so, yeah, I could have almost called this episode Popes versus Anti-Popes, Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader, Biggles versus Von Starlein. We like this sort of thing. Um, oh, by the way, and Von Starlein, you know, it's it's important 
for von Stalin to be immortal. You know, in the same way that Biggles is immortal. You know, and my son already knows this in Biggles' books. Um, as you read, you know Biggles isn't going to die. And you know the von Stalin isn't going to die, you know, because that Nazi keeps popping up in book after book. He doesn't die. But um, when Captain W.E. Johns, the author of the Biggles books, introduces a different Nazi, in this case, Dr. von Liebgarten, you know, Love Garden. <laughs> um, you'd have to read the book to know what all that was about. Uh, you kind of know he's, you know, he's bought it before the book has even started. You know he's going to get knocked around a bit and then eventually killed, killed off, shall we say? Not, you know, and um, and there was a bit of a dramatic last couple of pages in Biggles Takes a Holiday, uh, in which you know the Nazis were on the run. You know, in, in, it wasn't in the Amazon jungle, but it was a jungle further down towards Argentina, you know, somewhere near the border of Argentina and, what is it, Argentina and Uruguay and, you know, there somewhere. And um, deep in the jungle anyway. And, um, and, the, and the Nazis are making a run for it because... Um, and Biggles has collected together a motley lot of ex-soldiers and um anyway um so what happens is as they're running um Stitson I think gets a head shot you know he got shot in the head I uh, can't remember whether I cleaned that up or not for the boy um I didn't clean the next bit up I thought I'll let that I'll let that one go I'll let this one ride you know, I'll let this one through to the keep. No, I'll let this one happen. And uh, Dr. von Liebgarten and uh, von Stalin both leapt into the river and, you know, made for the other side of the river. Um, and uh, and um, Liebgarten, they watched as he was pulled down by a crocodile. That's the end of Dr. Liebgarten. We kind of knew he was he was for it. You know, um, but um, but then they saw von Stalin make it to the other side and disappear into the jungle. You know, and uh, there's a um, there's a, well in in in, in Beagles takes a holiday. Um, there are savages in those jungles. Now we know those savages nowadays to be just South Americans, <laughs> but um, you know, in Beagles books, they're savages. You know, they eat each other. You know, they actually say that in the book. You know, eat each other. Um, when Biggles describes, sorry, when Captain W. E. Johns describes the savages out there in the jungle, not the Italians, who are actually the Negroes, you know, but I cleaned that up for the boy, you know. So um, Captain W. E. Johns has a very standard kind of stereotypical thing going on, highly racist and all that sort of thing, but the cultured. Um, enemies, yeah. The two there's the British and the Nazis. All right, deep in the jungle, the the Nazis have um, escaped from Germany after the war. You know, Hitler's topped himself and all that sort of stuff. And you know, these are the Nazis that escaped to South America, and because it's gone hunting, yeah. Because um, oh, I won't get into too much detail, uh, but um, you know, but Biggles, you know, Bertie, Ginger, and Algy, and um, and all the Nazis, they're all the brains. Now, the um, the Nazis are evil geniuses, you know. Um, even better, you know, they're, they're working on a V. What rocket did they get up to in the World War? You know, V2. They're working on a V4 rocket or something like that. I can only remember the V1 and the V2. You know, maybe they're working on the V3 rocket still in the deep in the... And they want to bring Nazism back. You know, they want to bring Germany back. You know? Um Anyway, uh, so um, the the Nazis are evil geniuses, but the British have um, virtue and can do, you know, um, and they're virtuous, and they always come out on top. The British, and that's nice. Um, but you know, this is where it's. Uh, there's one good thing about the way Biggles smashed uh, Liebgarten in the face in that room because Biggles was on the back foot there and no way out, but he found a way out. You know, that's competence, you know, that you want to teach your boy. Not necessarily to find a Nazi, Nazi and smash him in the face with a glass, you know, with a decanter, decanter, you know. Not necessarily to literally do all that stuff. I don't think 
that's going to happen. Uh, you know, I don't think it's promoting violence. I read all the Beagles books when I was a kid, didn't pick up on all the racist things because I didn't know what racism was back then. My mum brought me up differently. She really did. You don't know her, but if you do, if you did, you would know. We weren't brought up like that. Yeah. Um, but we did read the Beagles books, so we must have just... Um, you know, you just uh, children just read books in a different way um, than grown-ups do. You know, anything that doesn't make sense, they let slide. You know, or ignore. Anyway, so the stereotype situation that Captain W. E. Johns has got, and you know, I'll get back to the popes. I'm going to finish off actually in a blaze of glory in this episode and say something about the popes and the anti-popes. You know, uh, you know, I'm just going to make something up, and hopefully, it'll be a nice, you know, big bang way of finishing. You know. Uh, most of this episode hasn't been about the anti-popes because I don't know what they are. All right, I'm only guessing. So, um, okay. So, um, yeah, Biggles, highly competent, um, all that sort of stuff. Um, forget what I was saying. Um, I'll just finish it there. Okay. Um, what's the music I have in between? Ding, 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 ding. You know, pretend the music's there. Right, I'm going to finish off on something fairly strong, hopefully, because you're supposed to finish off an essay with a strong start and a strong finish, you know, and a development in between um, and an exposition in between, you know, um, or something like that. Now, what I'm doing with this episode is starting with a strong finish, a strong finish, a strong start, a strong finish, and an absolutely ridiculous middle. <laughs> right. So the strong finish. I'm starting to suspect that you know Jesus' message was one of um, basically being a good person. You know, in in the Jesus way. You know, um, a message of love. You know, the sort of things that um, God is love and love is God. You know, you could almost say there's no God. You know, he's just saying God is love. But you know, to a certain extent, he's saying love is God. You know, there's if there's no difference, then if you feel love, you know that sublime feeling we talked about sublimity, sublimation, sublimation, sublime. <laughs> uh, I remember sublimation from physics. That's when, you know, you um, when a solid goes straight to gas. That's pretty sublime, <laughs> and um, uh, some things do that. I can't remember what um, uh, solid straight to gas. Oh, would that be um, you know? Uh, when you're at a disco, yeah, dry ice. Yeah. Uh, okay, no, 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 that's not solid, is it? No, there are some things that do that. I can't remember what. Okay, sublime. Uh, all right, digression. Not the strong finish you were looking for yet. Okay, but you know, Jesus, I think had here comes here it comes now. Maybe Jesus had this message of love and all that sort of stuff. All right, now I will get onto the popes to finish off with, because the instant I think um, that. People like Peter and Paul started to put a bit of structure in place, you know. Um, Peter running around making communities. Uh, Paul was into structure because he was a Roman, you know, anyway. He was half Roman, half Greek. I think somewhere in these episodes I said he was half... Oh, did I say it again? No, he was half Roman, half um, Jewish. Um, yeah, sometimes I just say the wrong thing altogether. You'll just have to guess when that is, you know. Um, he spoke Greek. I think his first language was Greek, but he was half Roman. Look, Greco-Roman, you know. Um, okay, um, half Roman, half Jewish. You know, the Council of Jerusalem, this is all post-Jesus, you know, just after Jesus died. Uh, Peter and Paul start getting some structure into Jesus' um, teaching, starting to get a bit of theology going, you know, having a few debates as to what Jesus' message means, how to put it in place, how to make it spread, how to start communities, you know, in uh, after the Roman fashion, let's say, because the communities did end up having uh, taking on sort of uh, Roman structural styles, you know, in organisation. Um, as soon as that happens, um, you start to get what you might call more a, you know, a, a solid-looking sort of structural church going, you know, rather than just Jesus' message. Hmm. Okay. So popes and all that sort of stuff. You know, maybe you're departing. Maybe you're getting away from the message of Jesus as soon as you start doing that. Okay. And as soon as you start getting a bit of structure in place, um, you um, 
and this happened with the Romans too. You know, the emperor ended up sort of divine. You know, yeah, and this is common in the ancient times. You know, in cultures that had kings, um, the emperor. No, they didn't. They weren't divine at this point in time. The emperors at all. You know, it's only, and they never ended up that way. Um, the emperors of Rome, but. Oh, I've forgotten his name, but as as we get towards the fall of the Roman Empire, it starts to drift into that sort of thing, you know, eventually. I forget which emperor it was, you know. Um, anyway, what was I talking about? Yes, so some structure comes on and, and, and popes start to become kind of important at the top of a structure, you know. And I think mystical things start happening, you know, in the minds of the plebs. You know, uh, so um, popes start to become the head of a, an enormous structure with lots of people in it, you know. And I think it starts to get into that sort of system. Now, I am getting to this popes and anti-popes business, and I think there's some magic going on here. So what happens is um, a pope starts to become some sort of divine in a way, you know. Um, you know, Jesus even said, you know, you... Um, what you bind on heaven, Peter, and what you loose on earth and heaven, you know, what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and what you loose on earth, I don't think he was talking about going to the toilet, you know, shall be loosed in heaven and all that sort of thing. And he gets the keys to heaven. That's what Jesus did. He gave Peter the keys to heaven and the popes get the keys to the heaven, to the heavens. No, there's only one heaven. And one heaven? Is there counting, you know, in heaven? You know, that wouldn't make it very heavenly. Isn't counting a sort of earthly idea, you know, something that happens in the universe? All right, I thought it was infinite up there. How do you count up here? How do you even have the concept of one God in a place where things are infinite, you know, and undefined, you know, one divided by infinity? You know, and all this sort of thing. Um, well, no, that's zero. But, you know... God is one divided by naught in a way, isn't he? Um, he's infinite. or No, that's not even infinite. That's undefined. It's very mystical and mythical. No, it's mystical. Anyway, so, um, and, and yeah, what's this business? You know, people say, oh, there's only one God. I say, what, in heaven? Uh, that's way beyond counting. You can't count in heaven. One is equal to 100 in heaven. You know, if you say there's one God in heaven, well, that's just the same as saying there's 100 gods in heaven. Yeah. Put earthly, people put earthly ideas into the heavens, don't they? Anyway, all right, so um, what happened is um, I think, you know, you start to get this church forming, you know, this structure, you know, and that's, that's the church that we know and love to this day, you know, the Catholic Church and the other churches that we know and love, the Orthodox churches and all the others. You know, and to some extent, I think the happy claps we're all about, you know, the happy claps that we have in the world today, the Pentecostals, the Charismatics and all that sort of thing, are getting back to Jesus' original message, I think, in their own minds at least, you know, and, um, and, and, and saying that um, all these structures, as were put in place by Peter and Paul and all the other ones, um, are kind of the Antichrist. You know, they got away they got away from oh there it is, Antichrist and Christ. Aha! There is an anti Jesus. I forgot. Oh, how about that? It the I tell you what, it it happens every time. Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Christ, Antichrist. We do have such a thing. Okay, that could be a whole other episode, the Antichrist. Popes Anti-popes. Um, it goes on and on. Superman, bizarro Superman. All right, I like that. Buddha, oh, I'm not sure that there was an anti-Buddha. Okay, now, um, well, I'm pretty pleased with that because before I honestly, well, I never say honest, I honestly thought such and such because then that implies that, you know, at other times I might be lying. <laughs> I, and I only ever lie when I do it deliberately, okay? Never when I do it accidentally, all right? Okay, um, I like to lie for fun, if there's a joke in it. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, right. So, ramble. This is a ramble because I didn't know what... And I didn't know enough about the topic of the episode to make it a proper episode, so I just ended up talking about all sorts of things. But anyway, you end up with a Pope, you know, in this new structure that Peter's putting in place. You know, a structure where he's leaving communities all over the place and with bishops in charge and all that sort of thing. And he's the head guy, he's the Pope, you know, and Paul is kind of barracking from the side. And, um, and, um, 
So, in the minds of, you know, the church, this church that develops, you know, this is the representative of God on earth, so to speak, you know, this Pope, because he can loose things on the earth. You know, hopefully he digs a hole first, you know, because that's manners. Now, um, but he becomes God's representative on earth, the Pope. All right. So he kind of becomes divine in a way, you know, and... I know some people even now who think that the you know the uh, the wind you know the um the earth and things are all controlled by the pope. She thinks that. I know this person and she thinks, you know, um if the if the pope you know, she said when uh, two popes ago I think she said when this pope dies the the Lamb of God will come down, you know, because she's thought that the fate of the universe was linked to the life of this Pope, you know, that we had two Popes ago. Who was that? We've got Pope... Pope I quickly forget them. Pope Francis, and before that we had Pope German guy. Um, uh, Razinger, or whatever his name was. I can't remember what name he gave himself. And then, anyway, so people start to be superstitious about the popes. And I think this is how I'll finish it off. The pope becomes a little bit magic. He is a little bit magic. He's got the keys to heaven and he can lose things on the earth, you know. Um, and um, so he's got some magic about him. And, you know, just like Luke Skywalker's got some magic about him and Superman's got a bit of magic about him and all that sort of thing. Um, and I think the anti-pope must have a little bit of magic about him too, you know. So this, and this works for people, you know. It's an anathema to people like my brother who just doesn't like all this um, hocus-pocus, you know. And I see where he's coming from. But my fault on this earth is that I kind of like it. (laughs) I think it's... I think it's fascinating, all right? You know, I'm happy to go off and watch a Star Wars movie. I'm happy to read the Bible. Um, and I'm happy to suspend disbelief. And I'm probably happy, happy to even go a step further than suspension of disbelief and actually kind of almost believe it. Yeah. But then again, I'm changeable. You know, I'm happy to believe in atheism as well. But that's just me. And these episodes this podcast is not about me you know i sometimes say i'm very amoral in these podcasts because you know i say to people i'm not going to tell you what i really think you know and and some people hate that you know they say no we want to know what you really think just you know don't hide it and i say uh no i don't want to i say you know i don't care if you want to know what i think what i really really think you know i don't really care because this podcast is not for you this podcast is here for me and for my amusement I don't want listeners. I don't care if you're listening. I don't care if you like it. You know, that's other podcasts. I've heard a lot of them. And they're all saying, oh, please, you know, donate to, you know, this, you know, click on this link and just a dollar towards the show that keeps this show going. And I promise I'll make this show everything you want. You know, I'm trying to offer a service to the world. This is good for the world that I'm making this podcast. Please um, click on this link and, you know, the cost cop, uh, cost of a cup of coffee and this and I can make you more episodes and I'm listening jump onto my Facebook page and tell me give me feedback how I can make this podcast better for you all this sort of stuff none of that is me I'm doing this for my own fun and I think the world needs more of that you know there's too many people out there telling everyone what they really really think you know uh, given that there's such a, an, oh, I can't think of a better word, but an orgy of people um, blasting away, you know, with what they think, their opinions, given we've got enough of that, I'm not going to bother, you know, I'm, I'm, what I think I'm going to just render irrelevant. We need someone just waffling on like I have in this episode, um, in my opinion, to himself with no listeners. We need that out in the ether. Yeah, remembering, no listeners, you know, I have no audience. I'm happy with that. Um, there's something zen about that that I like. Something Buddhist, almost, you know. There's something about that that reminds me of making, you know, a, a, a 
uh, Tibetan Buddhists up on the, in the hills drawing an elaborate picture of the Buddha using sand and then the wind blowing that away and him not having any emotional reaction to that at all. I like that. Crikey. I just remembered there was another thing that I forgot to finish off. I mentioned that um, in, and this is one you could guess, Captain W.E. John's books, you know, you had the Biggles and the evil anti-Biggles, uh, von Starlein, Eric von, Eric von Starlein, um, Biggles and the evil anti-Biggles, and, um, you know, just like Popes and the evil anti-Pope, and just like God and the devil, and just like Christ and the Antichrist. Why isn't it called Jesus and the Anti-Jesus? I don't know, but you know, but um, and the the the, the really racist angle that Captain W. E. Johns you know runs with, you know, is one I know really well. And you've got you know the Nazis hiding out in the jungle. And they've built a concentration camp there, by the way, and they've brought in. They're enticing British people over there, ex-soldiers, and they're making slaves of them. Okay, so you get the idea. And Biggles has gone to rescue British people from the hands of von Stalin and the other evil Nazis. Okay, that's the way it works. And um, now here comes where the stereotypes cut in. Um, because in the jungles around, you've got the savages. Okay, the savages. You know, we know them to be South Americans now. Okay, but back, you know, in Biggles' books, they're savages, and they kind of um, the way he describes them, they're like pygmies from Africa. Uh, but we know them. We know that they're more Asiatic, sort of, you know, Native Americans. Um, Nothing to do. You know, he described. I don't think Captain W. E. Johns had ever been to South America when he wrote these books. So he just painted them as like savages, you know, from the African jungles. Savages, you know, um, savage. I know where that word comes from. I, I found out that once. It, it means it means people from the woods, you know. And the original savages, the Romans came up with, you know, that um, were the people just to the south of Rome. You know, back when Rome was much, much smaller and hadn't even conquered the tribes around them, the people in the in the forests, because most of Europe was dense forest, even in Italy, uh, the people who lived in there were savages, you know. The Europeans were savages, and even the Romans called them savages until they managed to civilise them. OK, um, so that's where savages comes from. And... Um, so, here's the stereotype, um, sophisticated, intelligent, you know, von Stalin and Biggles, you know, um, and then around and then they have a Negro guard, you know, so African slaves are their guards and they're quite brutal, you know, in the books, they're brutal, you know, they're the stereotype of brutal, unthinking, you know, um, brutes, you know, um, and, and, and they're the guard around the Nazis. You know, and Biggles has to get, get past those Negroes to get, get at von Stalin. Um, and, um, and then in the jungles, because uh, the Negroes are Africans, you know, in Captain W.E. Johns' mind, um, and in the jungles you have the real savages. So the Negroes are a step... Of, a step you know, the Negroes don't eat each other, you know. Um, it's... Um, and so on and so forth, you know. So you get these layers, you know. Um, and now, why did I choose Italians? Probably a bad idea, yeah. But, at, you know, it's a war book. Yeah. It's, it's about the British versus the Nazis. And I figured, well, you know, the Italians were um, allies of the Nazis. Um, so um, I, <laughs> on a whim, I, I, I figured that the people who were guarding the Nazis might, you know, in, in this fantasy at least, I'll make them Italians as payback for being on the side of the axis of evil back in World War Two, you know, against the lovely Allies, which was my side. The Allies were the good guys and the axis of evil was the anti-good guys back in World War Two. The Germans were evil. 
Yeah. And uh, the British were good guys. The Popes are good guys. And the anti-Popes are evil. You know? Jesus is lovely. Anti-Jesus is evil. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a, a better fit. Luke Skywalker. You know? He's a nice guy. Um, he's blonde. <laughs> and uh, Darth Vader. He's, he's evil. You know? And... Um, and and I'll just finish off with that famous sort of quote. I, I actually don't remember the quote, but I'll finish off with um, a misquote as follows. Um, ah, Luke, said Darth Vader, you're a lot more like me than you think you are. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. The Popes and the anti-Popes. I'm sure, I'm sure when I get into them that I will find that there's a fine line. That can be the end of the episode.